welcome to So It's a Show, a podcast where we like to keep you on your toes. I'm Taylor. And I'm Kyla. And today we are here just moving and grooving to the rhythm. And Beat bop bugging every day. Call back. Yes. That is probably right after first, second, third position, fourth position, and plies. The beep bop bugging move classic ballet maneuver yeah i believe it was cut from the original anacrina choreography oh yes thank you i knew that from somewhere and i had forgotten it thanks thanks <laughs> uh taylor how's uh how's it going we don't usually ask each other that but how you been you know spring is springing i am thrilled Aww. i switched my candle uh, I have two buckets of candles, which tells you something about me. The uh, cranberry candle that I had for winter vibes finished last night, and I switched to linen and lavender today. Ooh. And I'm in the spring candles, and spring is springing. The daffodils are out. I'm ready. That's How about lovely. You? Yeah, we just got through a ton of rain, and I think the sun is here to stay. Woo! And... Um, I agree. It is, you know, it says something good about you that you switch out your candles because uh, candles should be seasonal. And because it was raining the other day, I did get a peppermint mocha from Starbucks because you told me they sell them year round because it was feeling very wintry with the cold rain. So, uh, don't say I never did anything for you. (laughs) I never have. Um, (laughs) But yeah, ready for spring. Also ready to maybe talk about some pop culture we've been enjoying. Uh, I love it. Felt pretty confident in my recommendation of... What are you obsessing over? Or just like mildly enjoying to the point that you think other people would like it too. Okay. Well, I am going to finally do my first Taylor pop culture recommendation. Meaning it's not a TV. It's not a movie. It's something else but i think it works i went to universal studios yesterday (gasps) nice and went to the new nintendo world first of all nintendo world so cool like you walk there and you're like it's a video game like the vivid colors the precise shapes like it feels like nintendo um or mario really as compared to like the hogwarts side which is like dark and you know snow covered rooftops and (laughs) like clearly different vibes but it was very cool and I will say though because it is pretty new the lines were pretty horrendous so uh, but the lines it's interesting now where you wait in line is like part of the experience so like when you wait in line I love that okay yeah so you've seen that so like when you wait in line for Mario Kart ride um you're in bowser's castle and so there's like tons of things to look at i'm like thank goodness because an hour and a half would have felt very different without all this some of the newer disney rides have that and then Mm -hmm. i have also seen that at the harry potter world in orlando i don't know if they have it in california or not Gotcha. Yeah, the we didn't. I didn't really do rides at Hogwarts. I was pretty worn out from waiting from Nintendo World. But I did want to okay. give a tip to anyone going. 
I don't know that many of our audience crosses over with an interest in Mario, but if you're going, you have to do this like virtual reservation thing. We almost didn't get into Nintendo World because there were no open slots. And Mm. they don't tell you that when you buy your ticket. So day of, as soon as you get to the park, open up the Universal app and keep looking for times to get in. Because otherwise you might pay hundreds of dollars and not get into the exhibit you came for. Okay. But I will say the most fun I had on a ride was the Transformers ride. Even though I have no interest in Transformers, the ride was awesome. I wonder with the upcoming Super Mario Brothers movie if more people might be crossing over their interest with Nintendo in yeah, our true. audience. And Mario's pretty universal. Yeah. I mean, what's not to love an about an Italian plumber who collects mushrooms? Mamma mia. <laughs> yes, and I am sure all Italian people appreciate their representation in Mario. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, Taylor, what have you been enjoying? Well, I'm honestly surprised that I have not dug into this sooner. But I would like to recommend a 1980 sitcom called The Golden Girls, <laughs> which I just started watching for the first time in the last couple weeks. I am now in wow. season four. It is just delightful and betty white i mean she never misses Mm -hmm. i I just if you like four gal pals hanging out together who you know are all retired so all they have to do is get into shenanigans all the time you will (laughs) love hanging out with blanche rose dorothy and sophia which are perfect old lady names and i can't wait to be a golden girl (laughs) That's, wow, you got, you opened yourself up to another TV show. Have you finished Murder, She Wrote? Well, and I'm still watching Murder, She Wrote. It's okay. just, that show is so long. It's 12 seasons, and all of them are like 45-minute episodes. And yeah. I only watch it on Peacock, which has commercials, unfortunately. Mm. So it takes a little longer. I'm in season nine possibly ten there they all kind of run together so i also still recommend murder she wrote basically 80 shows (laughs) set about women in their 60s are my jam huh huh yeah we already know why that is what do you call yourself i mean i'm actually 83 years old at heart so (laughs) i'm just Uh. finding my people Oh, awesome. Yeah, I've never watched Golden Girls, but I have had one person in my life who regularly mistook my love of Gilmore Girls for Golden (laughs) Girls. Another person in my life has also mistook my love of Gilmore Girls for Gossip Girl. Um, Mm. So it's confusing out there. So I've only watched bits and pieces of Gossip Girl. I feel like Golden Girls is closer to Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I would say so than Gossip Girl is. It is a mostly wholesome friendship show. Uh, although, of course, women bicker, as they do on Gilmore Girls. There is a mother-daughter relationship, because Sophia is Dorothy's mom, and they live mm-hmm. together. And, you know, if you love female friendship, mother-daughter relationships, <laughs> comedic shenanigans, there's definitely some overlap. In addition to the fact that both of their show's initials are GG. 
<laughs> nice, nice. Well, uh, yeah, let us know how you like that as you continue. Mm-hmm. There's too many great movies. The burden is overwhelming. I'm sinking under the pressure. Well, now, speaking of our favorite Gigi show, what do we got for today? Uh, the episode of Gilmore Girls, not Golden Girls, we are talking about today is Gilmore Girls 622 Partings. And this first aired May 9th, 2006. And the IMDb plot summary is... The town troubadour departs Stars Hollow for his Neil Young gig, creating a stampede of would-be troubadours to town. Logan graduates and leaves for London, and the Lorelai Luke love affair may be chow, adios, game over. (laughs) I think our IMDb plot summarizer is back after... Mm. The couple boring plot summaries we had. (laughs) We back. Of note, this is the last episode with the Paladinos in the regular series. Uh, Their last episode as producers and writers. And this was also the last episode on the WB Network. Remember when WB and UPN merged to make the CW, which is what we right. have today. And I can still sing you the jingle from when they were advertising their new network. Like, why can I do that? Sing Connecting it. with everybody so all y'all can join the party. Now be free to be yourself in a CW style. Why do I remember <laughs> that? Amazing. I think I was just watching enough reruns of What I Like About You after school every day that I oh just saw that I love commercial that show. a zillion times. Yes, I love I that loved show. That have show we in talked about that? I don't think we have. Oh my I gosh. I loved it in high school. Yeah. And in the thick of the pandemic, we got HBO Max and it was there and I revisited it. Um... It was very soapy, much soapier than I remembered. But Amanda Bynes, still funny. Oh, she kills. Yeah. Yeah. She can come back any day she wants. (laughs) Her and Lindsay Lohan. You guys got this. (laughs) I am rooting for them both. Very much so. Uh, Also rooting for Luke and Lorelai. Although this is not their finest moment. Yeah. And at the beginning of the episode... Lorelai has spent the night at Suki's house, comes back in the morning. Miss Patty was watching Paul Anka, and Luke shows up, but Lorelai is not ready to see him, so Miss Patty distracts him. Luke, hi! What the hell are you doing here? Oh, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that. I'm looking for Lorelai. Well, she's not here. Her Jeep's right out front. Well, all I know is that she called to have me come over and feed Paul Anka. Called from where? Uh, I don't know. The inn, maybe. No, she's not at the inn. I tried the inn. Well, uh, I I don't know. I, you know, half the time people speak to me, I'm thinking about Barishnikov. Did you see Turning Point? No. Oh, that man was so beautiful. Yeah, I'm sure. Pure sex, walking. Yeah. Uh, flying, actually. That man could fly. Have you ever ever thought of taking dance? Me, no. Well, maybe you might want to think about it. There's nothing sexier than a man in tights. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure that's true. Is this our first Miss Patty reference? Yeah, it is. Frankly, it's a travesty. We've waited this long. 
because Miss Patty is full of so many pearls of wisdom and, like many of the Golden Girls, has a lot of stories that she pulls out of thin air that you go, I cannot (laughs) believe this happened to you. She sure does. Well, what a way to end our season six, which we finally made it to. Woo! It only took us three extra months. (laughs) (laughs) We've been living life. So, Taylor, were you also uh, sexually attracted to a man named (laughs) Baryshnikov? So that is a name that I have definitely heard over the years. And what's really funny is since prepping for this episode, my favorite podcast that I don't make, they mentioned a Baryshnikov movie, not this one. And he has been mentioned multiple times on Golden Girls, which is so Hmm. weird. Like, I've never thought of (laughs) him as like an pop cultural figure that was ubiquitous and now i see him everywhere so maybe i'm going to just see him everywhere for the rest of my life i don't know how about you interesting yeah i did not know who this was at all okay i had awareness but i also mentioned to my mom that we were talking about this and she goes oh i saw him once he did a whole show at the St. Louis Muni Theater, which is the largest and oldest outdoor amphitheater in the United States. <laughs> and still up and running today. It's one of my favorite summer traditions. And apparently they had a whole Mikhail Baryshnikov show one summer. She's like, yeah, I think I went in the 80s. I saw him. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. So I think you and I just like missed the boat on this somehow. I guess we did. Uh, very ready to talk about him now, uh, but from the angle, from a particular role he was in, in The Turning Point. Yes. Now, are you as ready to talk about it as Miss Patty is? Because, boy, is she excited to talk about it. I'm ready to talk about it in a different way than Miss Patty, I think. (laughs) Different intentions. Okay, okay. Well, The Turning Point is a film that came out in 1977. It stars Anne Bancroft, who we have talked about from The Graduate, the infamous Mrs. Robinson, Shirley MacLaine, Mikhail Baryshnikov, Tom Skerritt, and Leslie Brown. It was nominated for 11 Oscars, including Best Picture. Both Bancroft and McLean were nominated for Best Actress. Barishnikov was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Leslie Brown nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Also, directing, original screenplay, cinematography, art and set direction, sound, and editing. And it is tied with the color purple for the most Oscar nominations with no wins. (laughs) (laughs) Which just, what a bummer. So perhaps that's one of the reasons this movie is kind of lost to time. I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone mention it outside of Mm -hmm. Gilmore Girls. Perhaps that's why I didn't win anything. Um, It was the 15th highest grossing movie of the year. So people did see it in 1977. And it got a lot of Oscar love. So a big deal at the time. I wonder if it's ripe for a revival. Mm, I could see that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so this film is about the ballet world, which, wow, is that a fierce world. We've learned a little bit about that when we studied fame Mm, and just saw how fierce the competition is. And yeah, this one's kind of a family affair. We have a mom and dad who were dancers themselves, ballet dancers specifically, and they kind of gave it up early before they really could see what they would become because they started a family. And two of their kids are interested in dance, and one of them, played by Leslie Brown, is very good. Joins Mm -hmm. the prestigious American Ballet dance company is that something like that i think american ballet theater abt okay yeah and so you kind of see the daughter living out the mother's dream and so it's kind of the mom working through finally facing did i make a mistake could Mm -hmm. i have been something working through that and anne bancroft is the daughter's godmother and uh, officially a very close friend of the mother, Shirley MacLaine. Mm-hmm. But you can tell there's a little tension there. And she stayed with dance. Uh, they were in the company together, but she stayed when Shirley MacLaine left and has gone on to be one of the most important ballerinas in the company and presumably the world Yeah, in this fictional version of the ballet world. Yeah. And so now she's helping the daughter, teaching her a little bit, while also trying to decide, well, she definitely doesn't want to give up performing, but, you know, slowly roles are being taken from her and she's doing easier and easier parts. So um, just a natural part of being an athlete. Yeah. As you get older, your body does not cooperate as much as it used to. Yeah. So, I, I this movie, I, it's interesting. It was a little too on the nose for me. Mm, it was not on like, the toes. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, yeah, with just seeing the mom, like, using the daughter story to, like, walk through the mom's past. It was just very, and, mm. and even some of the moments, like, there was a moment where uh, the mom said to... Her daughter, well, you're going to, the daughter was like, can I be good? And she was like, well, you're going to have to work really hard every day. Cue montage of daughter working really hard <laughs> every day. <laughs> so it was just kind of, yeah. And also it was one interesting thing that was different about it, though, was that there was no moment of like, will she be able to land that? Is she going to be able to dance this routine perfectly? Mm. Whereas in fame, that was more of the vibe. Like, can they do it? And this was like, they're already yeah. good. Here's what's happening in everyone's personal life, though. Yeah, I feel like the tension was more, will the daughter, played by Leslie Brown, will she get distracted with Mm. her personal life instead of, is she good enough? Because she does get involved in a romance with Mikhail Baryshnikov. And he turns out to be a little bit of a ladies' man and (laughs) does not treat her super well. He's easily distracted. And so the question is, will she be able to stay focused even though she is getting involved in relationships here too? Or will she, you know, ultimately decide 
to do what her mother did. Because even at the beginning of the movie, she's not 100% sure it's what she wants to do with her life. She's like, this is what I want to do yeah. this summer. But is it what I want to do with my <laughs> life? I don't know. One, two, three, four, two, two, three, four. Amelia, all that emotion is terrific. For the mad scene in Giselle, not for my ballet. I also liked this movie. I definitely see your point about it being on the nose in some aspects, like with the daughter very clearly paralleling her mother's path and almost kind of retreading her steps from the past. I appreciated that most of the movie was pretty subtle in Anne Bancroft and Shirley MacLaine's performances, which I don't think it's innovative to say either of them are good actresses because that's just pretty much an accepted fact that they're both (laughs) talented. But I appreciated there was a lot of unspoken things and it was all in their Mm -hmm. face. And even though motherhood and um, having a family and choosing career versus family looks different now than it did in 1977. I feel like the question is really the same core question. And it's kind of about that having it all question and how do you balance career and family? And that's just a thing that will never go away because that is a decision Mm -hmm. every single parent ever has to make and has to figure out the balance of how to balance career and family. So while some of the specifics of, you know, which also ballet is a very physical career, so you can't really carry a child and be a ballerina at the same time and just take off, you know, six to eight weeks for maternity (laughs) leave and bounce back. Uh, In the same way that you could for a desk job or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that sense, she had to make probably a tougher decision than some other mothers have to make because you literally can't, you know, do both those things. It's still a question every mom has to ask and every dad has to ask. I will say at the end... We get into some Valley of the Dolls territory. (laughs) And uh, while no one's wig is ripped off and thrown (laughs) in the toilet, which is a thing that we did discuss back in, I believe, episode six (laughs) or seven, somewhere around there. uh, There is a scene where they literally throw drinks in each other's face and start hitting each other. And while I did, no less. Yes. (laughs) And I appreciated that it ended in laughter and this, you know, burst of emotion was able to help them work through this tension that they'd felt for decades. But that moment was a, that was the part that was on the nose for me where I was like, I didn't need them to physically fight. Like, they could just have a war of words, and I feel like we would have gotten the point across, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is it because, like, they're athletes, and so it's just, maybe. like, phys- they work through things physically? Mm, maybe. Again, not saying, like, giving a pass to everyone who's an athlete to just, like, beat each other up, but <laughs> they were mostly You heard it just here like, first. Uh, Kyla wants you point, to just knock people out. <laughs> at one point, I noticed, like, I think it was Anne Bancroft was just... Slapping Shirley MacLaine on the butt. And I'm just like, so now you're spanking each other? Like, 
<laughs> this is odd. So they weren't actually going to like harm each other. But it was interesting that no, that the phys- like the first drink thrown was what really then you know Shirley MacLaine says terrible things to Anne, and then Anne throws the drink, and then Anne's apologizing because once you do something like physical, it feels just mm-hmm. different than just words. Yes. But, but before that, it had been all this mm, subtext where Anne yeah. Bancroft buys Leslie Brown a dress, as which presumably is just meant to be a nice gesture because she has her first big show and she wants to show her support as a godmother and fellow ballerina. But then Shirley MacLaine's like, she's my daughter. That's my job. Don't try to steal her away from me. And so mm-hmm. then you get this crunchy of, ooh, who meant what? And is somebody reading too much into it? And it's really revealing more about their own insecurities and desires. Yeah. And it really is about the dress or what Leslie Brown wants. And then it just, like, turned into throwing drinks in each other's face. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, I guess we can do that, too. It was entertaining, but that's <laughs> a little out of left field for me. Because I think what Anne Bancroft, what her question had always been for decades was, would I have made it if I would have had, if Shirley had stayed in the game or would she have surpassed mm-hmm. me? And then Shirley's wondering if I had stayed in the game, would I have been great like Anne Bancroft or would I have not? And they're both wondering, would I have been happier if I had done what the other one had done? Yeah. If I had quit my career and had a family or if I had not had the baby and stayed a ballerina kind of thing yeah and what's interesting is this movie does talk about like it actually uses the word abortion um in reference to you know Shirley talking with others like should she have gotten an abortion and then they also talk about um you know Anne accused Shirley of um keeping the baby to prove that her husband who is also a dancer wasn't gay and so and he actually admits that that was part of him wanting to keep the baby to prove that he's not gay and so they do talk about some taboo topics you know back Mm -hmm. in the in the 70s Um, and they name it i know in other movies like um nobody puts baby in the corner what's that movie oh dirty dancing yeah like dirty dancing they never use the word abortion but that's what the whole movie is about so anyways yeah well i will mention this was directed by herbert ross who was also a choreographer which probably explains why the dance sequences were filmed so well because he knows how to look for that and how audiences watch it and he was actually directing a story inspired by people in his own life yeah. He was married to Nora Kay, and she inspired the character that Anne Bancroft portrayed. So a very successful mm-hmm. dancer. And the relationship she had with Isabel Brown, who is the inspiration for the character of Shirley MacLaine. And then Leslie Brown, who plays Shirley MacLaine's daughter, is actually... Isabel's real life daughter so mm-hmm. Leslie is playing herself <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, in some ways so that was pretty cool and she only got the role because the originally cast dancer Gels- Gelsey Kirkland uh, got injured and 
couldn't do the role. And I think that's so wild that yeah, why wouldn't you just go ahead and cast the character, the person that this character is based off of? Um, no disrespect yeah. to Gelsey, who I assume was probably a very lovely ballerina, uh, but it just seems it's right there. I mean, yeah, come on, nep- Nepo baby, let's keep this up. <laughs> I know, <laughs> Nepo baby. Uh, yes, tale as old as time. And Isabel, like Shirley MacLaine's character in the movie, she and her husband, who was also a dancer, run a dance school. Now, in the movie, it was in Oklahoma City, and in real life, it was in Arizona. And they had four children instead of the three in the movie, but there were definite parallels. And it sounds like these two women really were having some of these conversations and tension in their life. And... I sure hope there was no drink throwing in real life into each (laughs) other's faces, but it sounds like it was inspired by a lot of real feelings and emotions and circumstances. And I think that's a pretty cool inspiration. And since they were obviously involved in the making of the movie, it doesn't feel icky to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like that it had a real life story behind it because it was an interesting take. Like it wasn't just a, you know, will this ballerina make it? Or, you know, mm-hmm. it had, like, a family dynamic and old rivals. Mm-hmm. Like, it had a good backstory. Well, and Shirley MacLaine and Anne Bancroft don't really dance. In Bancroft, you see, you know, doing a few moves here and there, but nothing intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think their story is actually the more interesting. I think... Yeah. Leslie Brown, who was doing amazing ballet work with Mikhail Baryshnikov. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's their appeal. But their story's pretty flat. I don't think it adds as much as the two older women. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Speaking of these actors, though, Shirley MacLaine, she, uh, you would might know her from Only Murders in the Building, which I have to bring up because oh, it's about yes. a podcast. Um, I and forgot she was, she was in that, but she yeah. is, yes. And she's also in Bewitched, which we oh, talked yeah. about. So, a little fun fact. And then Mikhail Bryzhnikov, he mm-hmm. was in a Barbra Streisand music video for her song Emotion, and he dances for like 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, enjoy that. We'll have that in our Tumblr. Uh, On that note, I should also mention that Leslie Brown appeared on an episode of Happy Days. They put out a casting call for a Leslie Brown ballerina type, and her people (laughs) saw it, and she was like, sure, I'll go out for that. And so if you can get the real Leslie Brown shortly after uh, the Turning Point comes out, why not? And she was on a year after the movie came out and she played uh, Fonzie's girlfriend who of course is a ballerina and she has to decide if she wants to go to New York to pursue dance just like in this movie and there is a pretty fun scene of her and Fonzie doing a ballet together and he is pretty much just lifting her whenever she needs to be (laughs) lifted or like if she spun around he spins her around his body that kind Uh of thing uh so i'll share that in the tumblr as well love those little bits Mm -hmm. now class i'd like to show you what you can ultimately achieve 
but I need somebody very strong and agile to help me demonstrate. Hey, Cunningham, I think she's calling your number. Oh, no. No, Fonz, I think she's talking about you. I don't think so. Oh, please. Aren't you talking about Fonz? <laughs> yes, come on, Mr. Fonzarelli. You can be my partner. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, should we talk about maybe the man in tights himself? Oh, let's do it. Because yeah. according to Miss Patty, there is nothing sexier than discussing a man in tights in a film on a podcast. <laughs> okay. Mikhail Barishnikov, he was born in Latvia, which at the time he was born was in the Soviet Union. He was born to Russian parents, and he defected from the Soviet Union mm-hmm. in 1974. He basically just disappeared at a performance, uh, you know, and apparently he was always being tailed by a KGB member when he was traveling, and somehow he stepped away, which, side note to continue our conversation, there is an episode of Murder, She Wrote, definitely ripped from the headlines inspired by Mikhail Baryshnikov <laughs> about ballerinas so leaving cool. the Soviet Union. At the time, he said it was not a political decision. It was just he knew that he would not have as many opportunities if he only danced based in the Soviet Union. And he wanted to come to North America and be able to work with more people and work with different companies that he would not be able to if he was based in the Soviet Union. And that has kind of changed. He's definitely vocal about what's going on in Russia now. So if you ever, I don't know, you and I are behind the times on Varishnikov. If you ever thought he was not political enough, guess what? He is very concerned about what's going on over there. And so I thought that was really interesting in all of his more recent interviews that even though he hasn't lived there for decades, he's still really emotionally invested in where he grew up and the people there. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, he is one of the most iconic uh, ballerinos in modern history. Is that really what male ballerinas It is. I Googled it. It's the real term. (laughs) Oh, I've never heard that. I know. There are other terms you can use as well, but I confirmed ballerino. It's just the male version of ballerino. (laughs) And he has – he is still working to this day. So I – it is also interesting to read in his interviews. Of course, he can't do what he did at the time of the turning point in one interview with the Guardian. They said, how's your body feeling these days? And he said, every day is a new encounter and they are not always pleasant. <laughs> um, but he is still acting. He is still performing. He has um, done a lot with modern dance as well in his career. Uh, you might have also seen him if you were a fan of Sex and the City. He played Carrie Bradshaw's love interest, Alexander Petrovsky. So <laughs> he has just been around in all sorts of places, including the Muni in St. Louis, where my mom saw him in the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> oh, wow. Basically, he's very accomplished, and he is I mean, I don't know what else to say. Me trying to explain why he's a good ballerino on a podcast feels inadequate. Like, you just need to watch him dance in this movie. He's incredible. For sure. So should we talk about how Mikhail Burzhnikov and his tights fit into the world of Gilmore Girls? (laughs) We sure should. And it's not just that we know Patty loves a man in tights, because this is not the first time. 
think of the Bracebridge dinner where she has the hots oh. for that server in tights and then she sees him the next day not in his costume and she is no longer interested so theory when mm-hmm. tj was in tights at tj and liz's wedding you mean air pants oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and miss patty was supposedly helping liz with her dress even though she has no idea how to sew was she actually sabotaging the wedding so that she could be with tj and his tights I like this theory, but considering TJ does not wear the air pants forever, I think she's probably happy that it worked out for Liz and TJ. I think so. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, so, Taylor, did you think that Mikhail Brzhnikov was uh, pure sex? <laughs> I... I mean, he is handsome. He is very fit in this movie. Uh, I would also like to call out there is a sex scene in the movie that he has with Leslie Brown mm-hmm. that, I mean, ultimately you really don't see much, so it's pretty tasteful in that way. But it is actually just like a continuation of a ballet that they started yeah. in the dance studio. And it, it's actually quite lovely. Like how I they was going like, to say that, yeah seamlessly go from this dance studio and next thing you know they're like continuing it but they're now at his apartment yes i actually was thinking that when i watched it and i just forgot to write that down but yeah it was actually like it was quite beautiful and like even her her arms like she had like the mm-hmm. i don't know the circle around the head pose I, that could be what miss patty is referring to is you you see him Dancing, flying, she says, um, <laughs> and then dancing through through a sex scene. But I mean, I I think that he is his character is supposed to be very sexy in this movie, and I think he does have that like suave yes. like sexiness is part of of his character. Just like even beyond how he looks, it's just like how he walks and and exists mm-hmm. in that movie. So confident and. So good at what he does. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like I I get it. It's, and it's not just a looks thing. It is just like the mm-hmm. whole character package. And technically there are other dancers in this company, but you would never know from this movie because it is basically <laughs> the Anne Bancroft, Leslie Brown, Mikhail Baryshnikov <laughs> show. Yeah, seriously. Uh, and their understudies and the people around them. Uh, who, in one funny scene, Leslie Brown shows up to a performance drunk, and her uh, fellow dancers are basically keeping her upright. And for a drunk (laughs) dancer, she's still pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not too bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he does have many scenes that evoke flying, many dance moves. He does a lot of leaping. Yeah. And he has a lot of power in those leaps. Like, the the guy is built. He is yeah. very strong. He could probably, yeah. I just saw Creed this weekend. That's also a recommendation, <laughs> Creed 3. And, you know, those guys might be the same level of built. Hmm. Yeah, dancers, uh, pff, like, every, there's no, like, 
fatty portion. It's just all muscle. Everything they got is yeah. for the dance. Yeah. I respect the Muscle craft. and bloody toes. Yeah. I don't want to do it, but I respect it. Yes. Well, before we finish this, I also wanted to mention back in episode 521, Blame Booze in Melville, when Emily, quote unquote, adopts a dancer, his name is Mikkel. Oh, yes. The one she finally keeps. And I feel like that had to have been inspired by our friend Mikhail Barishnikov. Totally. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Had to have been. Mm-hmm. Catch. The city ballet is in trouble. We've given so much over the years, but it's never enough to cover everything they need. I hate that. So, we're trying something new. Select patrons, such as myself, are sponsoring individual dancers. Help me pick one. Pick what? My dancer. I get to take one home. Bios are on the back. And this is legal? Of course it's legal. So, Taylor? So, Kyla? That's our show. That's our show. Well, fly on out of here and just, I don't know, come up with a nice little dance routine wherever you're going today. That's my (laughs) life advice. Uh, Thank you for sticking with us through this very long season six. It was fun. We had quite the past year, (laughs) lots of life changes and things. So glad we had the, the time. But yeah. And we still reviewed a cookbook, and we chatted with John Cabrera once on our show and once with his squad on Clubhouse. I mean, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, this was definitely, I felt like, our coolest year as far as law opportunities we had, so... Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing it with me, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I love doing it with you. Uh, all right, let us know what you thought of our season six. You can email us at show at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram at show. We got links to our Tumblr, to our newsletter, all in episode description. Until next time. <laughs>